0: Uh, okay okay this this pod always had to start with the sound of
1: (sighs) yeah naturally that's the way it would be hi listener or viewer whichever it is of the two there isn't a third option this is the no off days podcast where lewis sassman and myself get together the day after the raptors playoff game after the pieces have been written the second watch has been done and hopefully find some things that are new to us or just maybe more ironclad from our i guess analysis prior lewis 03 not looking great i'm leaning back now the, f- mm. the first two i was leaning forward i was like hey yeah i'm really into it now i'm leaning back how are you you're feeling? you're getting in
0: the spirit of of passover of pesach that's a yes. that's going to be for a small segment of viewers that joke. I'm feeling pretty frustrated. Uh it seemed like everything went right. They had their game. You know, that they, they their game plan worked. Uh but it, they didn't win. What else can you do? Uh
1: defend the inbounds better. I kind of want to start there. So the inbounds. Okay. We you know, if you're somebody on Twitter, I I will say there are visual aids for this I was on a spaces on Twitter last night with James Boo just he he was cooking pork shoulder or at least that's the premise of it and so I wanted to talk to him about how he cooks pork shoulder but he ended up asking me about the Raptors and I ended up explaining it but today a couple of the Twitter scouts were out there breaking down how the Raptors messed up and so largely the the big deal is that Fred is guarding Danny Nick Nurse starts screaming at him he says go back and you're Roamer So he goes behind the stack. Gary Trent Jr., I don't know if it's his mistake. I don't know if it's somebody else's, but everybody else had a man they were guarding. Gary Trent Jr. was in a position to help or switch, hedge switch, whatever, on Joel Embiid coming off of the Tobias Harris screen. He floated out to the middle of the floor and defended nobody for the possession. Was that his mix-up? Was that somebody else's? I can't be sure, but that was the case. Precious didn't have support. Fred was, you know, sitting in the paint. He comes up, pressures his late, Embiid hits that three. I'm curious what you think of that play.
0: Look, an easier shot than it should have been. Embiid had a hitch in the jumper because Fred seemed to take him a little bit by surprise. It's not like it was undefended. You know, Fred had as good as a challenge as you're going to get for a broken Like, for a non-defended shot, you know? Uh, And Embiid hits a crazy three. I don't know, man. I think Joel Embiid was so magical that the night was going to be his. You know, the community scene when Ken (laughs) Jong. <laughs> is is uh, he's taken over Greendale? Spoilers, and he's dressed in his you know North Korean dictator garb, and he's singing. Chang eats the sun and drinks the moon. That was Joel and Joel B drank the sun and ate the moon last night. Chang eats the
1: sun and drinks the sky, and we all go yeah, with them the when sky. we die. That's yeah. right.
0: Yeah, MB he, he drank it. the sun.
1: Yeah. Well, that that was kind of my thoughts. Obviously, the Raptors could have defended it better. We've hammered that down. But defensively, the Raptors, I think, hit every single point that they wanted to. They got the whistle that they wanted. They got the turnovers that they wanted. They moved Embiid away from the low block and into the middle of the floor where, A, he's farther from the basket. B, it's easier to send help because of the limitations of the other 76ers players. And C, uh, he has to take more jumpers. And it's just incredible. And this was the point I made on the reaction podcast: is that this is all timer stuff. You know, yep. this this is obviously we'll get to what the Raptors could have done better done better on the other end because they left points on the board on offense for sure. And had they just been a little bit better there, it's two one. But the fact that Embiid took that whole game plan, and the Raptors also did what we wanted to, them to do regarding Maxi as well, and significantly changed the way that he played too. And M B took that and took all the, he only makes free throws. He only does this. He only does that. He has to flop. He has to do everything. And then he beat the Raptors down the stretch with just finesse, talent, and shot making with jumpers. Like the turnaround at the free throw line. The like, Hezy pull up at the elbow?
0: The three it's, it's Yeah, it's. He's he said, just, okay, I can't be Shaq tonight. I'm turning it over. I'll just be Kobe then. Who who can do that? And, and I wanted to get, get into the Tyrese Maxi thing you mentioned. They did a much better job. They said, fine, we're not going to shade everyone a step towards Harden. We'll play Maxi like he's actually a good player. They did really well. They forced some misses. A lot of his makes were actually quite difficult. He was forced into a lot more pull-up twos, more contests. A lot of his makes were, like, very difficult. The, the Maxi stuff was incredible. But you know what? You decide to take steps towards Maxi Harden goes off. He hit pull up threes. He got layups. Like this Sixers team has answers to every question Toronto poses. Right turnovers in the post and be it hits jumpers. Take away Maxi Harden hits layups, and and Nick Nurse and the coaching staff have had. I think reasonable approaches which you and I actually, you know, uh suggested in in our last no-off days, right? The way that they played defense last night was basically the way we said they should as an adjustment. And the Sixers did it anyway. I mean, obviously they didn't score 130. It wasn't the cavalcade that it was before, but they were still able to get you know, productive, efficient possessions when Toronto couldn't.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty okay with the defense. Actually, I'm over the moon with the defense. Yeah, I thought the, the, def- defense the defense
0: was good. The Sixers can... offense was just impressive. That's all I'm saying, but the defense was good.
1: Yeah. Like the, what did Harden finish with 19, 19 and 10 or something like that? Yeah, 18 and like 10. I felt pretty good about the Harden stuff, especially I think he he had a couple plays on Thad that worked out well. I saw a lot of people saying that like he was you know Thad was lunch. I disagree with that. I thought Thad did pretty good in the stretch, but well, not offensively, but on defense. And Pascal, uh, OG, and Precious Harden wanted nothing to do with. And the only people he was taking off of the bounce were Fred. Uh, gary and malachi and that isn't any shade towards those three guys i mean they did their best and that's a mismatch and you can't avoid every single mismatch and the fact that the 76ers had to work so hard waste the shot clock and as we predicted they gave up advantage over and over again when the ball funneled to harden he would not keep the ball moving when it got to him it rested It stuck. If he took advantage, he took advantage. But that was that was a schematic win for the Raptors, absolutely. And Maxi, yeah, I mean, having having more precious on the floor meant that the Maxi pick and rolls were significantly less impactful. Playing at the level of the screen, widening his angles, and then being able to tag Embiid instead of just playing the you know the odd type of like, okay, we're letting Embiid. We're not letting MB do anything. We have to allow a driving lane for Maxi or Harden or whatever, and then we're going to bring guys all the way over, funnel it out to the corner, catch up, catch up, catch up. They just played more aggressive at the point of attack, and Precious OG and Pascal in particular being able to do that, and kind of stymie Maxi. All of them had plays that you can look back on and say, just stopped him, ironclad, like boom, right, right in isolation, and coming off the of screens and stuff like that. So Siakam, especially in space, was just. See, see, that was that was the frustrating part. Is that Siakam definitely didn't play as well as he needed to offensively, and we'll get into that. But his, his defense, Siakam was nobody's mistake free defensively. The best defensive game of yeah. all time contains many mistakes in it. Yep. But Pascal was, it was the guy we saw late against Miami. It was the guy we saw late against yep. the Lakers. It was the the problem solver, the incredible defender. Except yep. he did it for like. I guess he played 45, 46, or he played, sorry, 48 minutes in this game, almost 49. So, yeah, he was tremendous defensively, OG, Precious, all of them. But offensively is where things obviously didn't work. I wonder if you have any thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, so offensively, uh, they said Fred is not hitting pull-up threes. So we are going to get Gary running around screens on or off ball, something to pull Embiid out of the paint. Embiid, again, this is the drinking the sky component. Has I've just decided the sun is Embiid's offense, the sky is his defense. He's just walled off the rim to such an extent that they they needed to to pull him out. And they said Fred can't do that right now. Uh my piece for 538 just went up um about half an hour ago. Uh the, the, the Sixers have switched Embiid onto Fred Van Vliet and pick and roll 17 times. Fred Van Vliet has shot zero times against that switch. Uh, that's supposed to be food for the Raptors offense. Fred's knee is such that it's just not. He he can't blow past him. He can't finish. His shot is crooked when he's shooting off the pull-up. I don't blame Fred. It's just how the injury is is taking a toll on him right now. And as a result, the Raptors needed to turn to their only other threatening pull-up shooter, which is Gary Trent. They gave OG a couple turns, but basically they let Gary run at, o- at Embiid on or off ball, pull him out from the rim, and they just didn't make plays. They, they didn't move the ball around. He settled for a lot of pull-up middies. Uh, the offensive rebounding that that came in the first half when Embiid shifted out to defend um, Trent just sort of dried up in the second half. It was a reasonable workaround in my eyes on individual plays, not one that you can run for 53 minutes and expect to have offense all game long. That's that's a that's a contingency plan, not an Operation A style game plan. It just Embiid is too much, and they just they couldn't do enough to to beat him.
1: That's yeah. So we have Fred, which has been the case for many, many games like post all star break. This is what it is. You know, the statistics Like you said, he wasn't making pull up threes. He wasn't making catch and shoot threes either. Yep. And that meant that the Raptors were flummoxed by his own defense because they were very aggressive catching up and funneling the likes of Gary and, and OG off the line. And if they didn't, they both finished four of nine from three last night. They made enough shots, especially off the catch. And Fred got up 10 three-pointers. He made two of them. He missed some good looks, honestly. And that, that funnels to Fred, the spacing not being respected as much. This was an adjustment on the 76ers part because the first two games, they respected the spacing. Yep, They really did. This g- game three, they decided that was one of their adjustments. They're not going to play Fred the same way. And it it definitely hurt because putting Fred in like that proven state in that proven situation with with his knee, like he he needs to get it looked after in the summer. He's going to come back. He'll be good. You just got to believe that. And and on his merit, on his health, Fred just like what an accomplishment this season. But that game and, and, you know, basically the series has just been an exercise in futility of him trying to run an offense. And that extends then to Siakam, who, without the support of the shooting, with Embiid largely leaving his man to occupy driving lanes and to always hang around where Siakam would then be existing, I I'm curious what you think about Siakam's failures, because there are objective failures that he had. I I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. I just disagreed with the framing of how I saw some of them. Like Pascal in this game. You're an all-NBA player. You are somebody who has who has been great at responding to how defenses play you and also pushing past some of those those schemes. But as we've discussed, you know, drinking the sun, eating the sky, Joel Embiid, when engaged, he talked about this after the game, he thinks he's become underrated defensively. We talked about this on no-off days. He, the 2019 championship team, they couldn't score against MP. And Embiid locked down the paint in the second half. Pascal's adjustment, I didn't think, was that he was going to be blowing by guys in isolation. Because while it was him on his own, the, the 76ers are guarding him in a team concept. Pascal needed to hit jump shots and didn't hit a single one. And that was definitely his failure. He like and, and He did create some looks for his teammates, but not at the level that he needed to. The handle wasn't where it needed to be and the jumper wasn't where it needed to be it was just the the degradation of his game mixed with a 76ers you know defense that even with OG popping off even with Gary having a good game they would not relent they didn't want to give they even though Pascal was struggling they didn't want to give him the space and yep. in lieu of that he just he missed jump shots every single
0: one Pascal oh. talked during the year about how when his back is to the basket, which is how he loves to operate, he isn't looking at his primary defender. He's looking at the second line of defense. It just so happens when that second line of defense is Joel Embiid, that changes the choices you make. That causes hesitation in your handle, right? That causes your burst to the rim to turn into, instead of straight up, wrap around under the rim and sort of sling out that, that, wraparound pass to the weak side that changes not only the choices you make as a finisher it changes the choices you make setting up the finish and you saw okay mb didn't burst past tobias harris sure his handle was just not where it needed to be by any means but a lot of that he was just looking ahead and saying well what happens if i beat this guy like what success am i gonna have and so he doubted himself. I think, being able to beat Embiid as the helper, and so he he ended up taking step back jumpers over and over and over, and he shot those in the low forty percent during during the season, which is fine, which is you know a, a good percentage as a counter, um, but when you lose your layups, when you lose your runners through contact when you're not taking corner threes, when you're not getting free throws, that can't be all you have. That can't be an offense. That's 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 the least sustainable option. It's supposed to be what you fall back on to mix in with the others. And and it was uh it ended up being the only thing the Raptors could rely on. He scored 0 points in the second half and overtime. They didn't have an answer. And what I wanted to bring up can Scotty Barnes be that answer? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because, yeah. because Precious Sachua was, right? Yeah. And and like we, we have to, at the back end of this podcast, just give some time to OG and Precious, but...
0: Oh, we're not hitting the tight 15 today, baby.
1: No, no. But that's kind of like what I mean is that you cannot... Pascal needed to be better, but I don't want to ignore... That even during his struggles, the 76ers game plan would not move. It would off still of stop
0: him. him. Yeah, it would still stop him.
1: And so he doesn't have the benefit. And because it's Pascal needed to hit jumpers. Absolutely. Pascal needs to do all this stuff. Absolutely. Especially on that that short roll where he didn't he didn't go for the leaner. He he went straight into like a rock steady pull up jumper. That isn't how he attacks in the short roll. And he's just going against what he typically does to find success. You can see that his whole approach changed. And, you know, that's caused by the defense and stuff like that. But he didn't have the benefit of operating in space like a lot of players do. And the reason why Precious popped off is, A, because Precious, well done, put the ball on the ground, is a great fluid athlete, has really come so far as a finisher, all this kind of stuff. But because... MB to shading other players, MB to stepping up to other players when Precious is getting the ball. Like he's in closeout position almost all the time. Like put the ball in the ground, get there. Or when he's cutting baseline to support a drive and the bounce pass is going to him or the dump off is going to him. That's that is because guys are leaving him. And and like that's them's the breaks. And when players leave you, it's always to stop other players. It's not for some indiscriminate reason.
0: And when yeah, Kem Birch had that happen to him, he airballed the layup. I mean, with a with a great contest. And that's he didn't come back in the game. Right. Nick mm-hmm. said, if you're gonna leave him and he can't make you hurt, look, Kem's doing great stuff. He's helping us defensively, but we just can't play a guy like that. And it was just the precious show from then on. Yep. And that's where Scotty, if you leave Scotty and he's lurking in that dunker spot, he is maybe the best finisher on the Raptors. I mean, OG and Pascal have a claim to that, but Scotty is just going to ram it on your head, and, and that's where he helps Pascal most.
1: Yeah, that's supporting these drives, like he did in game one, because yeah. that, that was that was how the Raptors succeeded in the half court a lot of the time. The Raptors had good half court offense by the numbers in games one and two, Yeah, and game two was because they're still getting the passive benefits of, of Fred, you know, that shooting, and OG still doing his thing, but yeah, it's Pascal. The shot making just wasn't there. And when teams overload, other people need to step up. Gary definitely did. And like Gary couldn't take over the game at the end. He he found the same limitations that other players did when he tried but to isolate.
0: He carried them for so long. He didn't win the game, but he let's not minimize how well he played.
1: Oh no, I I don't mean to minimize that. I mean Gary Gary had a good game, but when the game flattened out at the end and the Raptors started going elsewhere, OG couldn't score off the bounce. Yeah. Gary couldn't score off the bounce. When they were making shots, it was typically the result of catch and shoot, broken play, off a cut, or something like that. And this is this is the Joel Embiid impact, is that Joel Embiid cuts off the rim for everybody. And so it's like, do you want to challenge him at the rim, or do you want to try and make a jump shot? And the Raptors leaned to try and make jump shots. That's That's what we saw. And credit to OG to get Precious those free throws that he missed was he had he had Embiid step out on him, drove left, funneled the ball to Precious, and he ended up taking the ball out, getting, you know, free throws. But to
0: avoid Embiid, right? Yeah. He did the Harden thing. He pulled Harden out and then attacked him specifically because he was under the rim with Embiid near him. Like Mm -hmm. we can't we, we keep hitting this note because that dude drank this guy.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah. Gary, Precious, and OG, just well done to all of them. Not, not only on offense, but on, on defense. Precious, was he missed the free throws, but a game is never decided by just free throws. I, when you, I understand from like a fan point of view, if he makes those, it's different. But from a, an analysis point of view, when you have to look at the players, what they do throughout the whole game, Precious just did too much for me to even really care. About the free. Oh, throws. yeah. Defensively, he was it was a master class defensively. And offensively, he was what nine for eleven from the field? Yeah.
0: Twenty he points. Was,
1: he he punched in when the offense was broken. He made plays off the bounce that nobody else was capable of making. A, because the ball funnels to him, the 76ers aren't loaded up. It's prove it time. And he proved it over and over again. He can put the ball on the ground, he can get to the bucket.
0: When the Sixers Zone was hurting Toronto, and it shouldn't have hurt Toronto. They have a bad zone. It was Precious who broke it. Pascal mm-hmm. flashed up into the lane, drew two guys onto him. Precious saw that, took the other side of the free throw line, got the ball, boom, one dribble, floating lefty sort of finger roll finish. That was incredible. That was a mm-hmm. Pascal-level athleticism finish. And and that broke. they didn't really go back to zone nearly as much after that. I mean, Precious was a lot of the answers to Philadelphia's questions. Mm-hmm. And and
1: also, in addition to that, OG. Because like, when I did my breakdown, I said that OG might be so good that he introduces a variable, like a pick-your-poison variable to, to the 76ers. Do they want to change how they guard Siakam to be able to guard OG better, or do they want to leave OG in a position where he continues to hurt them? And OG continued to hurt them, but they didn't change the game plan. And OG just honestly being able to take like these pick and roll actions, turn them into something above the break. You know, the the jump shooting was great, of course, but being able to get downhill like that, the Hezy drop dribble, finish at the bucket and one. It's like free throws, too. Yeah, it's just really, really impressive stuff. And then Gary, cool as you like, saving some possessions, you know, 18 foot jumper. Hitting the catch and shoot threes and like at big points too, right? Like they get the turnover, they're running out in transition, you're trying to spot the shooter, and the ball funnels to Gary and it's a bucket. You know what I mean? Yep. That's those three guys really did their thing. But at the end of the day, this I was, I kept thinking, like, what am I going to talk about if the Raptors win? And the, the point I wanted to hit hardest was that this is what it takes to beat a player of beats caliber. Because I thought they were going to win. And I was thinking of you know, framing it in that way that the 76ers, when the Raptors aren't perfect, just mashed them because Embiid is so overwhelming. Like Embiid has been driving the car of this series like with no questions asked. Yeah. And then the Raptors get everything they want. The terms are sitting in their favor, and they're just by the skin of their teeth, which means they could win the series, right? Like that, that there's a pathway. Yep. But that pathway has such little room for error. You cannot delineate just at, at really any point. And you have to hit things on the other side of the floor, too. And the Raptors, they hit everything they needed to on the defensive side of the floor, save for a couple, like the brush screen that led to the James Harden free throws that he split at the end of the fourth quarter. Fred and OG, like why they miscommunicated on a brush screen, I was surprised. But it's it's one play, right? The inbounds, yep. it's one play. Over the course of the game, they played this sterling, per- perfect defense. And it's not just because that's <laughs> Embiid. It's, you have to stop him, but you also have to score over him. And my God, what a premise. Just
0: overwhelming, dude. So this is when you asked in the very beginning. And I said, you know, this is, the, uh, this is what it looks like when the Raptors uh, succeed. right? We've talked so much about what went right for them. You know, Pascal and Fred were taken out of the game. Okay, they have other options. They have other answers. Defensively, they they did exactly what they meant to do. Like, this was them succeeding. That's crazy. And maybe, you know, Thad being healthy, Scotty being in the game, that changes. That does, you know, you talked about driving a car. It's driving a car through the jungle, right? Where your wheels can get caught in, in any ditch, vines are hanging off of you it's it's almost impossible scotty is a little bit of a you know you get something like a what's what's it when a train throws cows out of the way like the cow tosser it's not what it's called but your car has one of those things on the front for you to drive through the jungle that's what scotty is a little bit more room wait do the
1: cows like die is that what you're saying? The cow's get I don't hit know. by the
0: train? Trains have cow defenses.
1: <laughs> like the, the grill?
0: Yeah, the yeah, front? that's a thing on the front of a train. It bounces them off?
1: I, I don't know.
0: It, it does something to cows. It's oh cow my related. God.
1: I thought like at first I thought you were saying like they have like this Crane arm that's like, like they slow down to a stop. There's a cow on the track. it's like, and gently no, no, places
0: it. Just chuck them out. Are we life.
1: talking about a helter skelter cow getting bounced like 80 feet off of a train? Unfortunately, something
0: like that. I, I will have to look this up. Oh anyway, that's Lord. Scotty, right? That's Scotty in, in one way or another. And so, look, they can still win games, right? That they, they can do again what they did in game three. Uh. But what do you, like, do you just go back to the troops if you're Nick Nurse and say, guys, we did the job. Just do it one more time for me and trust. Yeah, that's, how do you galvanize that? Like,
1: yeah. when we think back to the Raptors getting absolutely spanked by the Celtics in the first two games, that OG3, it doesn't just save a game. It saves a game plan. And it, it, gives, saves, you the, exactly. it gives you the confidence to go out there and exercise it. Now, the Raptors, as far as guys who have been there, done that, Pascal, Fred, leading the charge, that collection of players, especially like Precious, unfazed, you know, like this is a guy who he'll, he'll do anything at any point in time. OG, same thing, just these unabashed players who. I think that they there's a reasonable chance they could still take one or two games in the series. Do I think there's a pathway to to seven? I don't I just really don't see it. You're just gonna end up on the wrong side of a maxi game, a Tobias game, a yeah. Harden game, an Embiid game, maybe all four at the same time, right? And then what any
0: variance think? kills you at this point.
1: Yeah. Like George Niang could have like a six triple game or something like that, and then it's and then you're done. But yeah, I, it, those guys can win one or two games, honestly. The Raptors have never been gentlemen, have they? Like any time that we've talked about in the past a gentleman sweep being on the horizon, it's just been a sweep. Cavs, yeah. just a sweep. Wizards, just a sweep. I think we might be gentlemen for the first time in our, our lives. But it, it takes serious, serious mental toughness to come back from that game. Embiid is brash. He's overwhelming. He was unfazed and he was talking trash the whole game. He's just so in your face. He's so good. It's like it's tough to walk out there against that seven three monster and just do it all again. Yeah. Especially when you the you know, the upside is like we do this four times in a row. And if we don't do it, then it's nothing. It's just like, but they can, you know, there's always a chance. But yeah, I, I think they win game four. I don't know about game five, six or seven, but I think they'll win game four. I expect so, a decent turnout.
0: So no adjustments. No, this is why when, when Zarar asked, what do we name this scraping the bottom of the barrel? They just, that was the bottom, right? They, they had that that was their adjustment. They can't, there's nothing left to pull out. There's no rabbit in the hat anymore.
1: No, like other than the Raptors being way more active as an offense in how they set up actions, like the framework of their offense.
0: Yeah, they could, I mean, they could just hire Chris Finch again.
1: Right, like that's, (laughs) this was the Raptors achieving everything that they wanted to on defense through schematic change and then failing offensively in the read-and-react system that Nurse wants. Like, Nurse famously, he doesn't want that many set actions. He wants the offensive principles, he wants the talented players, and he wants to be able to drive and make dynamic reads, and he doesn't want it to be rote. He doesn't want it to be, okay, we get to this point, we call this play. It is clunky by design, and he expects to succeed in the
0: clunk. But they did not succeed in the clunk. The guys who succeed in the clunk are ones who are extremely capable drivers, and shooters, and finishers. Right, Pascal, extremely built for the clunk. Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, they're built for the clunk. This team, as talented as it at it as it is, you know, they have all these guys who who don't offer each level of success that's required. You know, Thad Young, great at, great addition. He's been hitting his threes, you know, good passer, great defender. He's not being what they need, attacking rotations and sort of changing the way the defense has to play. Precious Achua has kind of been the best at it, even though he shouldn't be a team's best option at driving. You know, that's that's not what a guy like Precious is supposed to be, but by limitations of the roster, that's what he's become. And, and that's what I said after game three, if you add a guy like Tyrese Maxey or even, I mean like Grant Williams, you don't need, you know, superstars. It doesn't need to be Kawhi Leonard to change the texture of this Nick nurse offense, but the personnel just isn't right to, to make it a successful half court offense.
1: Yeah, basically everything is undone by shooting variants because the Raptors have now three guys and two of them have been doing it at a high level in this series who could punch the... And the one guy is never on the weak side and will never have an opportunity to do it who could punch the weak side and get to the rim. Like if Embiid... There, there are there are offensive players who if you take a step too high in help side, that is the death knell. Like that is You're that over, is where yeah, you so. fail. But Embiid can take three steps and he can still range back and affect basically everybody
0: at the rim. And Fred can't finish. Gary can't finish. Chris takes step backs. Pascal's the guy they're loading up on in the first place. Scotty's not there, right? There's just, there's no one who can just go kill the rim. Yeah. And
1: honestly, like, that was the thing. I don't know how Pascal plays next game, but the first half was not so different than the second half. It was just he made shots. Like the yep. the shots, the 12 points he had in the first half outside of that transition dunk, tough, tough shots. Yeah, the, like, like
0: a six-foot fadeaway, eight-foot fadeaway.
1: Yeah, and just like getting deep, seeing the second guy coming over, deciding like the shot's still got to go up, and just none of that happened. Is he going to be able to – will he get to those spots? Will he get to the shots he wants to – Will he be able to spin off and roll to that push shot with the right hand? Will he be able to like spin left and finish directly at the cup with his left hand, all this kind of stuff. A lot of the places he wants to get to weren't available to him. And I wonder, yeah, I wonder about the Raptors offense in game four. If, if Scotty is back, we might see a big Scotty game because he has the physicality and the, he's just completely unabashed in the way that he goes about this stuff to just try and dominate guys on the weak side. Like, Danny Green, Tyrese Maxey, if Scotty's on them, good luck, dude. Like, he's, he's going to put you into the basket. And oh, yeah. he, well, sprain, sprain ankle. Who knows? I, sh- I shouldn't be so confident. But healthy Scotty, that's kind of what he would be able to do. So, yeah. A- any other thoughts
0: on, a, on our off day that isn't an off day? Cow catchers apparently are no longer used in trains because they're inhumane. I think they do kill the cows, yeah.
1: I'm glad. I'm glad to hear the cows aren't being killed anymore by the
0: crane. I arm. mean, who knows what they're doing now? But uh, I think the intention was never fully successful. This metaphor there it might extend to Scotty oh in my some God. way. Dude, you could just slow down.
1: You could if you get that crane arm and keep like an empty hold. You could steal the cows and sell them as livestock at where you stop.
0: Yeah, but you'd need to hire all the best six-year-olds who are so dominant at that crane game where they pull up the – yeah, they, those kids would be the ones catching all the cows.
1: I know a couple guys who work for CN and CP, and uh, they're basically
0: all – Because you're from Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, wonder, I wonder if there's any CN or CP guys in, in, who listen to this podcast who will – say that anyway what the hell are we doing lewis we're scraping
0: yeah. the bottom of the barrel that's what we're yeah doing. dude i was I i'm mean, actually really happy
1: i'm really happy to learn about this this cow thing and also very pleased to see that it's not done anymore i don't know i don't know what they do now they vaporize them or something but anyway uh yeah that feels like a podcast how do you feel
0: yeah man game four i'm ready for it not excited bring it on though
1: yeah, listener, maybe we'll get, <laughs> maybe we'll get Blake on uh, no off days after game four. Uh, we're we're going to try and get him on one of these. I guess our options are running thin. But anyway, okay, Lewis, thanks for coming on, man. Coming on, you're the co-host. Thanks for being my co-host. <laughs> I'll see you uh, is Sunday for this recording. Listener, thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into it in the morning
0: or at night, Have an off day and goodbye.